We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash, Pepsi, and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, friend of mine, Eric Crocker. What's up, bro? What's up? What's up, man? I don't know, man. I'm chilling. Just got home from uh, another interesting day of, of school on Zoom, which is, uh, I don't know, it's been going well, I guess. It's just weird. You just sit there in your chair all day looking at a computer <laughs> with no human, no real human interaction. But you know, like, they make you go up there? Yeah, we have to go. We have to go into our rooms, which is fine with me because I teach art. So obviously there's a ton of supplies involved. And I wouldn't want to bring any of that stuff home. Like half my room is like cupboards and, and, and big cabinets and stuff. So I'm glad I don't mind going to my room to teach the Zoom. Um, you can like if I were to apply for like uh, like a medical reason to teach from home, I could do it like both my parents do it because they could get away with it. Uh, but I didn't think I'd get away with it. So I just uh, I go there. It's chill. But it, like I said, it's like. It's like you're just like in your classroom by yourself, no human interaction other than the, the random faces on Zoom. Hey, have you? Um, I, I don't know. Do you follow Debo Samuel on Twitter? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make it a point to follow all the players on the roster. Why would he? Uh, oh, maybe I should do that. But I, I don't follow him. But I just 
I don't know, I just randomly like saw like his page and I clicked on it and he's like turned into like a philosopher. <laughs> so I guess this spare time, I don't know if he's been like reading books, but like every day he's been like tweeting out like inspirational quotes. Not even In hard quotes, times, I think the goal is to change your response to what you can't control. To grow so strong on the inside that nothing on the outside can affect your inner wellness without your conscious permission. Okay, take a moment now to stop and thank yourself for how far you've come. You've been trying to make changes in your life, and all your efforts count. Huh. Thanks, Debo. I don't want to downplay, like, you know, how smart he is. Like, he's definitely a college, like, you know, educated, college graduate. But his punctuation is, like, really good. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if he's copy based in it or what. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna. I'll take. I'll start taking his tweets and putting them in Google, and we'll see what we'll see what comes out. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. No, I don't want to yeah, dampen his fire, man. Really, really smart. Yeah, really smart guy. But um, no, I just came across that. And I was like, damn, Debo the philosopher. Really I know. Taking up I mean, during his uh, spare time. I mean, this kind of goes with what we're gonna start talking about here a little bit, but I mean. It's a hell of a lot better than some of the tweets I read on a daily basis. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather read some uh, some philosophizing than half the half the stuff we got to read. Right. So we decided. <laughs> hopefully, you're you're in for a little bit of a ride here, Crocker and I, or I decided, and I and I'm bringing Crocker with me that we'd open. Up, I don't know how long this is going to take. We have no idea, but we would open up today's show which is for the most, it's usually reserved for like standout players, you know, winners, losers, that sort of things, um, which we will eventually get to the standout players. Uh, but we decided, or I, like I said, I decided that we were going to talk about shit that people tweet that annoys the out of us on Twitter. Like, I, I guess I could have said the F word. We say the F word all the time, right? pretty often, but y'all know what I'm saying. I don't want to. I don't want to turn away the the little kids right out the beginning. So we'll probably get to some f words, but stuff that annoys the hell out of us on Twitter because it happens all the time. And you know, I don't want to sound like a bitch, but <laughs> like obviously having a lot of followers is cool. It's cool to to build up your account, and it's cool that people want to hear what you have to say, stuff like that. But a cost of that is you have to read a lot of really dumb stuff, like all the time. All the time. Croc's got more followers than I do. Like, we, we just, it's constant. Especially when you, like, me who, like, reports the team, things that go on with the team, things that are happening with the team, and you just have to read the comments of what people will, like, you just, sometimes it's just incredible what the first thing that pops into somebody's head is. Like, I just, I read it and it, I feel like it makes me more stupid just having read it. So we are going to break we're we're going to we're just going to talk about some of the stuff and some of it's really recent that we read on Twitter that bugs the hell out of us. And I want you to start Crocker and I want you to talk about the reply that you got today on your Jason Verrett thread. If you as long as you remember what it is. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Jason Verrett is having his moment Dude, you know, first start since 2017. Uh, he actually played very well. You know, we'll get into that. But, you know, then, like, you know, we're, I don't want to say we're celebrating it, but it's like, dude, like, this was a, a, a major accomplishment for him just to get through it, right? Um, the biggest thing, like, overcoming, like, injuries is, like, the mental hurdle part of it. Like, just getting over the fact that, you know, you've been hurt. And, like, he's been hurt, hurt, like, every year. And, even right now, he's coming off of a hamstring injury. So, um, you know, he played well, and I did a thread. And then, like, the first comment – well, not the first comment, but one of the comments immediately was, well, yeah, great, did it against the Giants. Like, who cares? Like like, like that type of, you know, tweet. And it's like, okay, you know, he did it against the Giants, and that's a good start. That was a good – you know, it was good to see that. That's much better than him just getting toasted against the Giants, right? And – I just think sometimes in Twitter, it can definitely be, and we all know this, a very negative place. So I, a lot of things I kind of take it for a grain of salt. My response was just, you know, it was a really good game for him to build off of. And 
uh, Rob's response was a little different. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll never stop being disappointed that we have to say stuff like this. Like, it's not that hard to understand. <laughs> that was my tweet. Like, like the fact that we have to like, like break it down. Like, Hey man, it was his first start since 2017. He's suffered multiple career or not career, uh, season ending injuries. He's considered probably one of the most talented quarter corners in the league with that also has the worst injury luck we've seen a player have in a long time. Like, I'm just disappointed that we have to even explain that. Like Crocker is just sitting there like praising Verrett and against a lot of his reps were against Darius Slayton, who has already proven his worth in this league. Like he is a legit NFL receiver and he has toasted a lot of corners that have, uh, that have been, I mean, whatever you want to call it, way healthier, way more active as of late than Jason Verrett. And so, like, this guy's making his first start since 2017, and the first thing you can think to say is it was the Giants play like that in weeks 6 through 10? Like, like, why is that even in your head? Like, I, I don't even get it. Like, the dude hasn't started a game since 2017 because he's going to have the worst injury luck ever. Crocs out here singing his praises because he had a good game, and that is the first thing you think about. Like, why do you even tweet that shit? Like, like, imagine. Okay, let's let's imagine that this guy who I'm staring at his name right now. I'm not gonna let's say his name. Let's imagine that you just graduated from college with a degree in engineering, with which my girlfriend is currently getting. And I know it's incredibly difficult. Math that is so far beyond me, it's 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 out of this world. Let's say you just graduated from a degree in engineering. You're sitting there with your diploma and some dude comes up to you and says, hey man, I don't know why you're happy you didn't get a master's. <laughs> like, could you imagine having that attitude and in real life walking around? Like, somebody gets a, a, wor- a bonus from work, like, and I don't know why you're happy, man. My bonuses are way bigger than yours. Like, it's just like, just take that same attitude and apply it to shit in real life. And it's like, I understand it's just Twitter, but what the hell, man? Yeah. I mean, I one thing I've definitely learned with Twitter this year, especially starting with the pandemic, was I, I just can't, I'm, I can't take a lot of stuff on Twitter serious. Like, like that's the real world. A lot of like the people on Twitter, um, and a lot of things I read, like I don't know actual actual like people that are like really like that in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like in the sense of like 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 none of my none of my homies or anybody I know or hang out with, like they don't overreact to like, you know, every little thing, everything, you know, they don't make every single thing a big deal. And um, so I, I just kind of look at Twitter and even the Verrett, like, you know, dude comment on Verrett, you know, it was like, hey, man, let, you know, let Verrett, Verrett live. But, at the, you know, on the other hand, I just looked at it like, it's Twitter, man. There's, you know, it's just not real. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Right, real. right. But, I mean, it should just like, you got to just at least work on your mindset. Like, be able to, like, it, and nowhere in this thread did Crocker say, Jason Brett's back. He's one of the best corners in the league. And watch out. Watch out, Julio Jones. Watch out, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, your, your ass is getting shut down. Like, straps. He didn't say that. He was praising the dude for making his first start since 2017 with a thread that breaks down a bunch of, uh, you know, strong plays and in a very detailed fashion. And the first thing you can say is, yeah, cool, it was the Giants. Like, God damn. And, and the only ones that I was singing his praises, like, you know, when I do the threads, I show good and bad. Like, and there's usually a lot of clips because I don't want to leave out something so that I, you know, it looks like I'm pushing some type of narrative. So, I mean, I was in the sense, I guess, singing his praise because he played well. So, but it wasn't like I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so great. I was just looking at him like, man, like, this is good. Like, this is good stuff that he put on film. Um, I did say, you know, in the first clip, like, 
hey, maybe it was because, you know, the Giants have Slayton and, you know, Tate and not, you know, anybody else that's, you know, a big name or anything like that. So maybe Daniel Jones' timing might have been off and, you know, whatnot, whatever the case is. But I definitely made it a point to, you know, say, hey, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a really good outing. And, you know, he showed a lot of confidence in his ability. And, like, that was kind of, like, the biggest thing I came away from, uh, you know, after watching the film. So, yeah, no, it was kind of wild just, you know, for somebody to just come out, come out and kind of put down the performance, you know. And a lot especially, of times, like, Especially somebody who has never performed at that level. Right. Well, and <laughs> yeah. a lot of times guys that are kind of like that, they, they wait for the person to kind of fail so they can see, ah, ha, see, told you, like, you know. Right. And, you know, that, that sucks that, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there like that. So I, I don't want to, you know, he maybe he's one of my followers and, um, you know, you just look at things for what they are. So, yeah. Right. And I think that kind of blends into the, the good one. The The next one that I have on my list of shit that annoys me are like, and you mentioned this too before the pod are like, no, people that act like they know it. People that act like they know what it takes. Right. And look, I'm the last person that's like, look, you didn't play football. You, you don't get an opinion here. That's not what I'm saying because I sure as hell didn't play football at a high enough level to say that. And I don't really think anybody should say that because I do think that somebody who hasn't played football can put enough work in to where they can be a, a reliable source of information. But sometimes, especially now that the all 22 stuff is available to a lot more people, you see things tweeted and said that don't really make sense. If you, especially in a sense of some things get said by people, then you wonder if they've ever even ran fast in their life. Like one of the things that stands out to me was when we were talking about that Dante Pettis rep against um, the Cardinals, right? Yeah. yeah Cardinals. Cardinals. And he ran like a deep post um, kind of turned into a corner because it crossed all the way across, came all the way across the field. But um, he, one of like everybody was giving Pettis crap because he didn't make the catch and it was a little, it was a little high and he had to, you know, he reached out, didn't dive, you know, and it got hit as immediately as the ball arrived. But one of the comments I saw was, oh man, that guy should have gone up and high pointed the ball and just caught it over the defenders. <laughs> and I just, and I just read it and I stared at it for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, this has to be somebody that has no idea what it takes in that moment, because like you're talking about a guy who's running with every ounce of energy he has, he is running as fast as he possibly can just to even remotely get to the point where the ball's going to fall. Like it takes every bit of your energy just, and for me, like for me, I, I've like, I used to play receiver. I know that when the ball was in the air, I would like, I felt like it would even like, I'd get like another burst of energy. Like I almost felt like I could run even faster when the, when the ball was in the air. So I would, you know, and, and, and at that point I feel like I'm, I'm running to like 100% of my potential, like just to get under that ball. And then this guy comes along and says, Oh man, he should have high pointed the ball. And I'm just sitting there looking at it like, what? It Like, what do you mean? What do you mean he should high point the ball? How do you high point a ball when you are running as fast as you possibly can? To high point a ball, you have to be able to get your feet underneath you and jump while you're running. Like, as high as you can. Like, that takes a certain amount of pause and collection like the ball has to be slightly underthrown in order for you to have a chance to do that because you have to be able to slow down collect your feet and boom jump get as high as you can you don't have to stop running but you do have to be able to kind of collect yourself and that's not an option when the ball was thrown out in front of you and you have to use every ounce of your speed and energy just to get to it so you see stuff like that and just so you guys know Croc got disconnected right now from our our the website that we used to record. He's going to be jumping. He'll probably be back in here before I'm even done talking. But I know if he were in here right now, he would be agreeing with me because we've talked about it. 
so it's just like when you hear people say stuff like that, you're just like, man, have you ever even tried to do what's being shown on this play? Like, have you ever even tried it? Like, have you like if you did, if you had, you would know that that doesn't make any sense. And it's the same thing I mentioned earlier, like the all twenty all twenty two stuff. Like anybody gets their hand on on game film now, and they and they'll tweet like they're an expert, you know. And hey, Croc, we got you back. Okay, cool. So I just got done talking about the fact that, like, somebody anybody who thinks that during an all out sprint, what I did talk about while you while you were disconnected was. Like when I was a receiver, and I'm sure there's an element to this as a defensive back. When I was a receiver, like once the ball was in the air, I felt like I could run even faster just because like, you know, it's almost like a a dog that's chasing after something that's right in front of it. Like I felt like, okay, the ball's in the air. I can see it traveling. I know where I need to get to. and, And I could feel like I could run even faster because I'm like, okay, I need to get here. Otherwise I'm not, you know, it's over. And so I'm talking about the fact that like somebody who's somebody who's running with the absolute most they could possibly muster 100% of your speed and energy, all of it to get to under that ball. And then somebody's going to come along and be like, Hey man, why didn't you just jump up in the air? And it's <laughs> like, it's I, it, stuff like that just makes me be like, like, and, and I want you to, I want you to transition. I mentioned all 22, but I want you to transition us into the, because I feel like it's close to the same. Uh, like the get their head, get, they should have just gotten their head around. Yeah. So you know, obviously, like you know, anybody they see a deep ball in the corner doesn't get his head around. It's like, why well, just didn't turn around and look? Our corners never get their head around. And the tough thing is, like, you have to be in position to, to get your head around. And I try to explain that all the time. It's like, man, they're like the corner doesn't feel like he has a receiver control. His head's not gonna get around. And you know, the response. A lot of, you know, that I get on Twitter. Well, he never turns his head around. It's like, dude, that's not true. Like, half the time he does, half the time he doesn't. When he's in good position, he does. When he's not, he doesn't. And you got to look at it like this, too. Like, these receivers, like, they're good, too. Like, they get paid, too. Like, these are high-level, you know, athletes out there on the edge, you know, running full speed. You know, you're not going to be in perfect position every single time. So, there are going to be times where a corner isn't able to get his head around. and But it's just... You know, it's weird, like, on Twitter, and I, I wish I could, like, just get them out there and, like, me run a go route and then be like, all right, get your head around. Then they realize when they get their head around, I separate from them by, like, two or three more yards. Like, it's – it's, and I get it, they're professionals, but the receivers are professionals too. So, yeah, every rep at cornerback is not going to be perfect. Just like every route's not going to be perfect. Uh, you, you want to try to, you know, uh, execute your – your uh, technique to, you know, the best of your ability as consistently as possible. And the guys that do that at a high level all the time, you know, they play a long, illustrious career. But just for the most part, like, you know, it's just, it's not that easy. You know, it's just not. But, you know, Twitter will tell you that it is. Right. And that's, and that's yeah, that right there, Twitter will tell you that it is, is a perfect line because I had mentioned all 22. And, like, anybody who got there can get their hands on 22 is all of a sudden now a coach or a high level analyst or, you know, somebody, all, all they really are is somebody with an opinion, but like I've seen so much all 22, especially revolving around one Jimmy Garoppolo where they're like, like it, it ends up sounding like this. Okay. It ends up sounding like, I don't understand why Jimmy Garoppolo didn't take a 10 step drop and then combat roll underneath this defensive end and then run to the right and then look back to his left and hit the wide open fullback that's on the opposite sideline. Like some of the the things that people suggest when they break down plays are some of the most ridiculous. Like it just makes no sense. Like there was one I saw where they're like, man, I don't like where Jimmy got sacked. And he's like, man, I don't understand why Garoppolo didn't just, just duck out of the pocket to his right, right here. And it's like, He's facing the other direction. The defensive end is coming from behind him. He's trying his he's trying to go through his reads down the field. The defensive end got to him in a matter of like less than two seconds. And they're like, well, I don't I just don't understand why he didn't just take off. And the window in which he had to take off 
before the other defensive end in front of him came to him was like half a second. Like, it's like some of the stuff you just see these people say, you just like, like I said, I'm not, I don't really like having this attitude, but my reply is like, like, have you ever like even thrown a football before? Like, or, or done, like, like I get it. Like Crocker said, they're professionals, but some of the stuff that people just suggest that athletes need to do without even having any knowledge whatsoever of what it takes to do it blows my mind sometimes. Right. Because, uh, like, it, it's just crazy how easy it is to do it. Right. Like, like some of the stuff that we're talking about are like, Stuff that like some of the freakiest, most elite athletes in the world struggle to do. But this, as Dr. Disrespect would say, fat, blonde haired, chubby cheeked, like loose gut. Like that's what Dr. Disrespect always says about people that are talking smack, like people that have never done anything athletic in their life. But they're judging the world's most elite athletes on what they cannot do in a in a split second. Like t- sometimes you just gotta take a step back and and realize which like what you might be talking about. Like it's like, look, I'm no longer like I'm not an elite athlete. Crocker is. I mean, he you know he had uh, maybe I guess you would say you might not be in that shape anymore. But at one point you were performing at a level of an elite athlete, and like, I don't know, man. It's just like some of the things people say, they just seem so disconnected from reality. And and I, I don't know, maybe it's playing too much Madden. You know, they just expect the, the player to do exactly what they want them to do in the moment they want them to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. But again, you know, you got to look at Twitter a lot. You know, and all, all, all we're trying to do here is just, you know, just kind of think about these things a little bit, you know, and um, I think people follow me uh, because they appreciate, you know, my my outlook on things. And I try to be as reasonable and as realistic as possible. And, you know, without being like emotionally uh, driven, you know, with my comments or, you know, anything that I, you know, put out there in the Twitterverse. And yeah, it's, it would be cool if other people you know, where most people did the same. And I know everybody's not going to be like that, but for the most part, everybody I follow, um, everybody's, you know, really cool. They, they, you know, I guess, yeah, everybody I follow is really cool. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I get you. And I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say this is all t- what Twitter is, but it just happens so frequently that you just can't help, but like be a little disappointed. Like, Man, why couldn't that person just have said something a little bit smarter or something that made a little more sense? You know, and and here's one that I want you to speak on cuz I feel like you would have a different perspective than me, Croc, but what do you what are your what are your feelings on people that at players on Twitter? Uh yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> That that is one thing that is like why I've always wondered like why I don't at I don't really at the players like that unless I know them personally. So yeah, if I don't if I don't know them personally, I don't I don't at them. So that's just that's just kind of my thing take on that. Well, it's like the like I see a lot of people that put a lot of these work these work into these a lot of work into like these breakdowns or you know and 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 just being a partial viewer an impartial viewer, excuse me, that a lot of these people are trying to be, obviously there's going to be times where you have to critique somebody, you know, and, and these weirdo, these weirdos will come rolling into these Twitter trolls. Like somebody rang a dinner bell and, and they'll just be like, Hey, this player, you really screwed up here. What the hell, bro? And it's like, man, these guys have, are, have spend almost all of their waking minutes on improving their craft. And when they mess up, they have to they have to hear it from themselves. You know, they'll hear something from their teammates. Not necessarily bad things, but they'll hear something from their teammates. They'll hear something from their coaches. Then they'll hear about it again in the film room. 
And then, oh, they want to jump on Twitter and they have to hear it from some dude who eats Doritos and drinks Pepsis during the game. Like, I'll never understand that, man. Like, if you want to, like, <laughs> praise a player and hit him with some positivity and, you know, maybe just try and brighten that person's day up a little bit or whatever. But, like, don't, like, get on Twitter and, and try to talk to players about something that you probably have no idea, know nothing about. Other than your super shallow, like, oh, man, like, how you how you going to how you going to miss this play? <laughs> I'm just like, what are you that? Like, I don't know. How is he going to miss it? What happened in that moment? What was he thinking? What was the the other player doing? What had happened in the past that led to him to think this way? What are all the things that have happened to make that player made that decision in that moment that you know nothing about yet are sitting here going, Oh man, how do you, how do you miss that, bro? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe we're ranting too much. Maybe I'm ranting too much, but no, nah, you're good. Get it off your chest. It's just like, I have such a high level of respect for, for, for NFL players and, and football players in general, really. But, for NFL players that have have worked their entire life to really to to reach the absolute pinnacle of their sport, like th- there's those ridiculous stats about how many how many like high school football players will make it to the NFL. It's like point zero one percent or something like that. Right. Like they have worked their entire life to reach the absolute pinnacle of this moment, and they know so much is at stake. They know that their next paycheck is at stake. They know taking care of their family is at stake. You know, if they can just put together a great NFL career, they could have enough money to last them for the rest of their life. That if they invest well, they could turn it into, you know, money that gets passed down to their family. And, and like all of this stuff goes into, into them just reaching this moment and, and being the absolute best at their job. And then you got some fucking dude at home messaging him saying, oh man, you suck. Like to me, it's just so damn disrespectful to what it's taken to get to that point. And I know you don't have, if you're listening and you're one of these people, you don't have to care. I get it. Like no one's going to make you care and no one's going to make you change what you say, but just know that to me, it's, it's moronic, like that you could belittle somebody else's achievement that like it's like I said, it's just crazy. It'd be like working all your life for anything and somebody coming along and just and every mistake you made following you around and going, oh, man, I don't understand why you did that. <laughs> like it's it's crazy, man. It's just to me, I just I can't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand why people just live out their days on Twitter belittling, trying to belittle uh, an NFL player for the mistake they made on the field when they had one tenth of a second to react. Like, you know, it's just, it's just an improper understanding of what's actually going on out there. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. And and a lot of what, what Rob is trying to say right now is, you know, like, let's be more positive. (laughs) And, and, you know, I'm a positive guy. Yeah. Right. I'm a positive guy and obviously sorry I'm adjusting my chair here. Obviously I'm being negative right now cuz I'm talking about negative stuff, but it's just like just right like what, the, what what reason do you have for criticizing a player? Like what possible excuse and that that is worth a damn do you need to to criticize somebody who's worked their entire life to become one of the, the like like men in black, the best of the best of the best, sir. Like that's what they are on the, uh, and sure they might get bested by another person. That's also the best of the best of the best, but that's not an excuse for you to jump on there and just with your, with your fat thumbs and be like, Hey, like, I don't know. All right. All right. All right. All right. right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit you with some sponsors. We're going to come back and we're going to go over some standout players that, we saw from the 49ers destroying the Giants 36 to 9. Stay with us. I won't rant anymore. I promise. You've counted on restaurants. 
Now they're counting on you. And while your dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering's easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, and many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food's on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. All one word. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE. $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Along with DoorDash, we've got some Pepsi. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is there to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for watching football. And last but certainly not least, we've got Bet Online. The wait's over. Football's back. You know this. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. While I was in the middle of reading that Pepsi ad, I was like, I was like, dang, this is like talking about the people that I was just talking about. The league, <laughs> the league of football watchers. Yeah. But but I'm a proud member nowadays, so I don't I don't care. It's all good. But um, okay, Crocker, you already mentioned Jason Brett, and you put a ton of work into that thread. And so we're talking about people that stood out in the Giants 30, uh, what, 36 to 9 win? Yeah. Listen, normally we do winners and losers, but Given the the situation, the amount of players that were injured, how handedly the 49ers beat the Giants, we're not really going to hit losers today. We're just going to talk about people that stood out to us, which I think is fair. I think it's fair. Sometimes, especially after 30 minutes of listening to me, mostly me and some of Croc rant, uh, I think it's fair to just keep it positive. So tell me, sum it up for us, Croc. What what did you see from Brett, man? And, and, and it, it sounded promising, but what did you see? Yeah, nah, it was really good, man. Like, going into it, someone asked me, like, hey, how how Verrett doing? Obviously, like, just watching the game, like, you know, the TV broadcast, it was like, well, you knew he was never an issue. But until you watch All-22, you never know how somebody is playing, like, when they're away from the ball, like, when the ball is not thrown at them. And that's the thing I struggle with, with, like, you know, PFF, because PFF doesn't really take that type of stuff into account. But I was like, man, like, how how do you do away from the ball? And I put on the all 22 just, just to kind of get a perspective. So when somebody asked me, like, how did Verrett do? I can give them, you know, my honest assessment. And then I, I watched it and I was like, damn, he's doing really good. And not just good, a lot of the things he did told me a couple of things. One, um, he, you know, he's healthy. You know, at least against the Giants, he was. Uh, the way that his body was reacting, it didn't look like he was thinking about any past injuries at all. I thought that was very encouraging. Uh, the next thing was, in a, in a word I use a lot in in my uh, in my thread was anticipation. His anticipation was as good as any corner I've ever watched on film. That's how good his anticipation Dang. was from off. Like he was he he was doing all the things that are kind of hard to do, but you want you want guys to do it, but it's really hard. It's not easy. He was doing it from a bell. He was letting guys eat his cushion. He was anticipating stop routes. 
He was uh, running dig routes for the receivers. Like he was doing all these things that is is not is not easy. And for him to do it coming off of you know a series years of injuries, uh, it was even more impressive, man. Like um, he was very challenging. That's one thing, right? Like you know, I went on a rant a couple weeks back, you know, after the Cardinals game, where it's like, is anybody going to ch- challenge DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, that was the one thing that I was kind of like, I don't want to use the word upset about, but yeah, like it was like, hey, can the 49ers cornerbacks challenge DeAndre Hopkins? He was he caught 14 passes, a couple of them screens, but he caught 14 passes, and most of them was with no one even contesting the catch. It was he was catching the ball, turning up field, maybe getting out of bounds or whatever, but it was like consistently over and over and over. And I don't want to compare the giant receivers to DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm just just from the the aspect of is somebody challenging the receiver? And even if Mosley was challenging Hopkins, but he was still making the catches, I would sing a different tune and just be like, well, it's just it's just Hopkins. But they weren't even contesting him. Well, Verrett, the way he was playing, anything that you threw at him, he was going to contest it. And I thought that that was extremely, extremely, extremely impressive. That was one of the better games I've seen from before. And I don't want to, like, overreact. Maybe this is an overreaction. And maybe it's just because of who the 49ers played against. But it was one of the better performances I've seen from a cornerback uh, with the 49ers. Extremely clean. Obviously, he had the one holding call, which was somewhat questionable because the receiver kind of just ran into him. Uh, But outside of that, man, like, even the one catch he, he gave up on the sideline, you know, he dude had to stretch and toe tap. And, you know, and when you watch on the All-22, you see Verrett broke on the route before the receiver did. The receiver just, um, the quarterback just threw it high and away out of bounds to where Verrett couldn't get to it. To to be able to react like that from a bail position, extremely, extremely impressive. You know, I listened to um, the, the We Believe or Believe in 49ers uh, podcast with Eric Davis and uh, and... I don't want to butcher his uh, Rash- co-host Rash- name. Rash- is it Rashad? And- yeah, Rashad. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I like him. Okay, yeah. So that was one thing that Eric Davis was saying, like, you know, he didn't care for. He doesn't care for how they're teaching the 49ers to what he calls, like, run out of there, right? And basically, I, I just call it a bail. But, you know, they're kind of bailing out and keeping everything in front of them. Well, the way Jason Verrett was playing, he not only was bailing out and keeping things in front of him, but he still was sitting on the stop routes to be able to contest that. I just thought it was extremely impressive. And I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing him play again. And, hey, can, can he continue that against Philadelphia, which, you know, they have banged up receivers. But, you know, if, if he can kind of string together a couple of games like that and you start to see, like, hey, maybe that's just Verrett, that's really good for the 49ers. Now, I'll be interested inter- interested to see what happens as guys start coming back from injuries, right? Because uh, part of the reason why he was on the field, Witherspoon was hurt. You know, uh, he had a hammy. And before that, I want to say last before last game, he was in concussion protocol. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley got hurt. And I, I want to say maybe it was a concussion as well. Obviously, Richard Sherman's been out on the short-term IR. So as guys start coming back, I'll be inter- interested to see how they continue to play Jason Verrett, but from what I saw, I think he deserves every opportunity to at least see, you know, start uh, against the Eagles, man, because it, it was very, it wasn't very, it was very impressive. And if you guys haven't seen it, you guys can go to my Twitter account and maybe I'll, I'll uh, leave it up uh, pinned or whatever to my, uh, to my page, man. And yeah, it was, it was some really good stuff. Great anticipation, great feel for routes, challenged everything. They threw a screen to his side, came down, made a tackle, no yards gained uh, by uh, Tate, Golden Tate. Uh, it was just really good stuff. Running deep, running vertical, that was an issue, right? We saw against the uh, Steelers where he had the pass interference call, then he got bombed on for a touchdown. Well, in this game, he was running with guys effortlessly, and the way he was kind of sitting on routes, he was confident that he'd be able to run with guys. It was just really impressive. That's good to hear, man. I mean, it's just it, it, it doesn't... Okay, and before we move on, it was Rashawn Haylock. He's the... Uh, He's the guy on the Believe 49ers podcast with Eric Davis. I don't want I want to make sure we give him a, a proper shout out because I was on that I've been on that podcast before too. Those are a couple good dudes. And uh they put together a pretty entertaining product too. I always like listening to the 
to them talk Niners. Um, but I mean, that's just good to hear, man, because it's like, it's just a comeback story, man. Like you, the odds are, are stacked so heavily in Jason Verrett's favor that he's ever going to do anything, you know, that he's ever going to rise back to, to what he was kind of in his prime before his, his injuries, you know, and it, the odds are just completely against him. And, and to me, and this goes into kind of what I was talking about earlier. You should be doing nothing but rooting for a guy like that. Like, one, for the 49ers' success. Because if by some miracle, Jason Verrett gets himself back to what he was, then you've got a guy that is among the best corners in the league. Like, I just – I had that high of an opinion of him when he – before, you know, before he suffered all – started suffering his injuries. So – Obviously, it's it's of interest for the 49ers that Verrett, you know, has a resurgence back to what he was. And just him as a person, like, you just want to see somebody overcome, you know, that much adversity. Kind of like Raheem Mostert. Like, the dude was cut by six teams, finally landed on the 49ers, and is now, you know, obviously still, you know, he could still do more obviously, and he will do more, but he's like, he, to me, he's already inserted himself into the conversation as, as some of the NFL's, one of the NFL's best running backs, just, you know, in his situation, you know? And so it's, it's just a matter of, of just rooting for the underdog and somebody who's the odds are, are stacked against him. So it's cool to hear. It was really cool to hear and see all the things you had to say about Verrett because he just hasn't done it in so long. You know, and right. it's it's been years, years, three it's been years. years. It's, it's been years. He's older. Like you never know how the body's gonna react. So, you know, just to kind of see that and say, hey, you know, at the it looks like Verrett. <laughs> you know, like it looks like Verrett. Like that was really encouraging to see. Right, right. It is, and I mean, sticking to that, somebody who I I definitely have have highlighted. Uh, Jarek McKinnon before in this podcast. I've talked about him a couple times, but to me, for the exact same reason that we're sitting here talking about Verrett, you gotta, I gotta also talk about Jarek McKinnon because this is a guy who spent two years recovering from a torn ACL. It was, you know, his career up until that point was, you know, played 11 games in 2014, 16 and 15, 15 and 16, 16 in 2017. And then all of a sudden, boom, the moment he gets his first huge contract with the 49ers, he tears his ACL. And it's not a it's not a it's not a simple tear either. He spent two years working back from that, dealing with complications from that injury. And then he finally gets to step back on the field this year. And like I've said before on this podcast, like he even said himself, he got out of bed that morning of week one and he was crying because he was just so happy that he'd get to play football again. And here he is out here. Right now, he's got 20 carries for 140 yards, which is seven yards a carry, which is outstanding. Now, obviously, he's got like a 55-yarder to his name, which, you know, skews things a little bit. But he's also he's also already caught six passes. We're talking about through three games. And he's not even the 49ers' lead running back, not even close. You know, some injuries have kind of given him more of a chance. But he's already caught 60, six passes for 60 yards and scored through the air, too. You know, he's already got um, – how many touchdowns does he have to his name? Three touchdowns this season, basically one in every game. And, you know, to see somebody go through something like that, you know, that I guarantee you many times during those two years he questioned whether or not he'd be able to play again or whether or not the 49ers were even going to hold on to him. And and here he is, you know, back in the swing of things, kind of putting on display – you know, why Shanahan wanted him in the first place, you know, and you saw that, that deep pass from Nick Mullins, that beauty that you talked about, you know, right in front of the, the, what, what were they playing quarters? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Like- and I mean, he, this is, and that's what I've been saying. Like Jarek McKinnon is a receiver in a running back's body and he can still play running back, but dude, he jumped up and hand and caught that ball with his hands. Like he'd been playing receiver all his life. And, uh, and I was impressed, you know, and it, it's just been good to see him have a legitimate impact. Even when Raheem and Tevin were healthy, uh, Jarek McKinnon was still having an impact in this offense and was still getting reps and was still scoring touchdowns, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it's just cool to see him come back from what he went through. 
and finally get a chance to prove, you know, prove Kyle Shanahan right in what he was paying for him. Now, I mean, I don't, obviously if things were, if we were around the clock and it was 2018, beginning of 2018 again, um, maybe Jarek McKinnon would be doing a lot more, but you know, that's not where we are. So, I mean, it's just been really cool to see him do his thing, um, to watch him, you know, find success. And I hope he stays healthy because, you know, you want to, you want him to just be able to ball out and, and prove that he's still a factor in this league, but it's just cool. It's just been cool to watch. Who is uh, who is somebody else that that stood out to you in that game, Crocker? Uh, obviously, Brandon. I you you know I really wanted them to include him more in the game plan, and you know right off the bat, you know in the first in the first three plays, he had two uh, in in the round or you know handoffs, uh, fly sweeps, or you know whatever you want to call them. So they were just showing like, hey, you know, we want to get him involved early and often. And then it kind of slowed down a little bit. But second half, he ended up with, what, five catches for 70 yards, had another end around that ended up going for a 19-yard touchdown. Uh, just to kind of get him involved and, you know, continue to build his confidence, that was something that uh, I was really encouraged by. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Roy, you know what? I'll call, I'll call uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, the winner on that one. Because that's the one who I was kind of upset at from the week before. Not upset, but I was just like, you know, it was a missed opportunity to get him involved in, late in that Jets game when the game was a blowout. But definitely got him involved last game. That was re- something really good to see. Right. Yeah, and it's just Kyle Shanahan has such a unique way of of, of taking advantage of, of a player's skill set. And even Brandon Ayuk in the press conference after the game – said one of the first things that he learned with his team is that Kyle Shanahan is going to put you in or is going to try to put you in the absolute best position to succeed. Um, he's going to try and put you in the absolute best position to go out there and, and make a play. And I felt like, dude, it just felt like watching Brandon Ayuk against the Jets was like watching Debo Samuel like later in the season. You know what I mean? Like it was that same type of and maybe maybe Shanahan does have the same type of plan for both these guys, and maybe that's just the Shanahan plan for his receivers. Maybe you know they both have very very similar skill sets. Obviously, Debo's a bit a bit bigger, you know, a bit wider. You know, he kind of looks like a running back. But like the plays you saw them succeed with Brandon Ayuk on Sunday, they've already ran with Debo Samuel. Like I think uh, um, Baldy. Uh, Brian Baldinger posted a clip where it was the same play ran with Debo Samuel and the same play ran with Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's went for like 18 yards and a touchdown, and Debo Samuel's went for like 19 yards before he got tackled. And it's and it, you know it's just like to me it's like it's just a cool thing to watch that and see okay is is what Shanahan's trying to do basically make it to where you know it almost seems like what Shanahan's trying to do is make it to where you have to respect every player on every playmaker on that offense. Like if Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are both capable of doing the exact same things and they're both, every time you motion them, they're a threat to get the ball and take off up the field. You know, that, that will command a constant level of respect from, for both of them from the defense, you know, and that you, you, you want players to be, especially with a guy like George Kittle on your offense, that's going to command so much attention. You want teams to feel like they can't just sell out for that. Like you, you want to force teams to make tough decisions, and if they're going to sell out to stop something like George Kittle, then they're going to pay with what they're going to, what's going to happen on the outside with somebody like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And it's just, it's cool to watch those two players run the exact same play, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe this is what Shanahan's thinking. Maybe, maybe it's a matter of, of no matter who's motioning across the fa- formation. Both of them are a threat to get the ball and take it to the house because both of them are animals after the catch, which is, I mean, that's cool. Um, who else? I want to try and highlight somebody that didn't necessarily. Ross Dwelly. And we can get some Ross Dwelly, get some 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 Grant Grant Cone up in here. Um, well, you know, he he wasn't. He probably didn't head into the game thinking that he would have any type of like big role. And, you know, Jordan, Jordan Reed came out, got a bunch of catches in the first half, you know, next thing you know, he suffers two injuries and Dwelly's kind of thrust it in there and ended up being, you know, pretty productive. And, you know, he made some key catches 
had a nice uh, catch and like broke a tackle, you know, from like two guys and, you know, ran down the sideline a little bit. Um, I want to say what had, had around like 50 yards. Like that, that was a good job by him. You know, it's the most impressive thing, like with, with this whole, what they did in New York, obviously like they, they played against two opponents that they were, you know, better than, but next man up, that's what you hear a lot in football. And, you know, I heard Eric Davis say, it doesn't mean anything if the next man up sucks. Well, all the 49er players, the next man up has definitely taken advantage of the opportunity. And not just him. And I know you asked me, like, or you were talking about just one player, but, like, Hyder, you know, he's been doing really good, creating a lot of pressure. Oh, man. Deion fire, Jordan, off, fire off those names, man. Well, this, yeah, this positivity is for everybody. Uh, Deion Jordan, he was someone just got put up, pulled up off of practice squad. And, you know, he got a sack. You know, just to see everybody kind of – oh, Jeff Wilson came in, ran well. Um the the stats don't really show it. And he had a run that was kind of called back. So if you look at his yards per carry and, you know, just his, yeah, it's really low. But he did well in the run, in the um, screen game, you know, ended up scoring, I want to say he had two touchdowns on the day, you know, productive, filling in for Mostert and uh, Coleman. Just, I felt like, you know, and obviously like, I mean, Nick Mullins, who had a terrific game, everybody who you you were like, okay, we're going to need games from these guys. I feel like they all stepped up. They all stepped up. They all did their thing, man. And that was, you know, that was very impressive and very encouraging. You know, and this is, this is, and this will probably be a, a good, a good spot to end at least for today. Um, but one of the other things that I didn't, that we didn't hit on earlier about my don't be a negative Nancy rant was one of the, th- and my notes literally says this, it says it's the giants chill. Like, and I guess we did talk about that with, cause that was his reply to your Jason Brett thread. But I also saw that a lot because I had a tweet. Um, where's it at? Let me, let me find it. Okay. Here it is. Damn. I didn't realize it did this kind of numbers. That's crazy. Um, so again, the 49ers were without Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, D Ford, Dre Greenlaw, Tevin Coleman, Jason Hurd, West Richard, Ronald Blair, Salmon Thomas against the Giants, and still beat them by 27 points. And even though, literally in the tweet, I'm talking about how many players and starters the 49ers were missing, I was still getting replies that said, it's the Giants, chill. Like, I feel like those replies would be warranted if none of those starters were missing and the 49ers beat the Giants 36-9. to And then I was still kind of, firing off the same tweet but it's like to me if, if your response is still it's the giants chill after i just listed like half the starters are gone like to me you're just like there's like there's that little gif of like you know where it says the point and it's like going over that person's head it's like that but magnified by like a hundred like right. dude they were missing like half their starters on both sides of the ball and they still beat an NFL team 36 to nine. Like so many players had to step up for the 49ers to even look like an, a legitimate squad. Like, you know, like uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, a brand new rookie, Brandon Ayuk, Jeff Wilson, undrafted guy, mostly on the practice squad, moved up to the active roster. Jamichael Hasty stepped in first NFL game. Um, Kendrick Bourne, Number three, number four wide receiver, stepping up, getting four catches for 63 yards. Ross Dwelly, a backup to the backup tight end, coming in, getting four catches for 50 yards. Jordan Reed, a guy who spent, didn't play last year, came in and was obviously got hurt, but in the beginning of that game, he was dominating. Like, it's like, you know, and then you pop over to defense. Like Crocker said, Kerry Hyder, one sack, uh, three quarterback hits, one tackle for loss. Deion Jordan just brought up from the practice squad. One sack, two quarterback hits, one tackle for loss, one fumble recovery. Like, what like, dude, this is this is great stuff. No, don't, don't miss me with that shit, chill. It's the Giants. You have backups on backups making an impact in an NFL game. Like, that's the way that that's that's great stuff. Most NFL teams in this league consider themselves to be screwed at any given position when their starter gets hurt. It's that simple. You know, you lose Richard Sherman, shit, we're screwed. You lose Nick Bosa, damn it, we're screwed. 
You lose Jimmy Garoppolo. We are so screwed. And then the 49ers go out and beat somebody 36-9. I don't give a shit if it's the Giants. It's an NFL well, squad. Well, the crazy thing is that's that was the narrative as the inju- injuries were happening. Right. That's what 100%. everybody was saying. Like, oh, uh, look at all these injuries. Like, they're so banged up. They're not the same. Like, even like, I, not that I pay like much attention to power rankings, but I looked at it like, well, where are they at the 49ers? 15th. Probably Middle due to a lot road. of the injuries. You know what I'm saying? Probably due to a lot of injuries that the 49ers had. Like, you know, so it's like the way they're viewed is they shouldn't be winning the way they are, but they did. You know, it's teams that you, when you look at the schedules, like, oh, you got to win these two games. Well, they did it, and they did it in big-time fashion with reserve players all, all around the field. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of injuries that have piled up. And but then it's like they win, and then it's like, oh well, they're supposed to win. It's like how? Like they're losing. Right, 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 right. We're team fifteen guys that are starters and key contributors. Like I don't know. This is wild. That's what I mean. Like, like, like. Okay, the way they won is the way they would they were supposed to win if all their starters were there. Right, right. If all of their starters were there, the 49ers won thirty six to nine. I'd be like, well, yeah, of course they did. But half their starters were gone. And it's not even half. It's not like they're not even like starter starters. It's not like Daniel Brunskill was gone. We're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, D Ford, like some of their absolute best players. Well, 40% Debo of Samuel. their salary cap. I mean, that, that says it, a lot. 40% of their salary cap? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, that's, I mean, you just got to understand, like, allow yourself to be positive. You're not saying the 49ers are going to go win the Super Bowl with Nick Mullins. You're just saying that, goddamn, a bunch of backups and third stringers just went down and whooped ass. Like, that's cool. It doesn't mean that they're going to beat the Seahawks when they play them. Like, you don't have to just, like, not everything has to be a, such a black and white statement. You know, like, it's, well, goddamn, that's cool. On to next week. Cool. Bill Belichick. Like, but like still allow yourself to enjoy the moment and, you know, praise some of these players for the cool shit they're doing. Nick Mullins, former undrafted free agent, gets to start an NFL game, balls out, wins. Like, like we're going back to the Raiders game almost. Like, just have fun with it. Just have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Just have fun with this team. Even when, you know, things are down, you can still have fun with it. Because guys are still going out there and succeeding. But anyways, you got anything else, Crocker? Nah, that's it. All right, man. Well, did I did I rant too much today? Is that too no, much? No, you're good. No, you're good. That was right. good stuff. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully I didn't bore you guys. And hopefully I just don't sound like some old grumpy dude. I mean, I am in my 30s. I turn 35 next month. Excuse me. Uh, on November 5th. So we're almost there. So I guess I'm becoming a grumpy old get-off-my-lawn guy. But... At the same time, man, you know, you guys have been listening to me. You know I'm positive. You know I'm a positive person, but every time you got to let it out. Sometimes you just got to let it out. So, but as as always, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody listening to the pod. Appreciate all your comments that you guys leave us on Twitter. I appreciate everybody that just kind of supports us. And it, it literally does help. It, you know, it makes us feel like what we're doing is is worth it. So I appreciate everybody out there who's just been sticking with us. And, uh, and always has something to say. I appreciate you guys. Um, but, you know, stick around. We'll be uh, we'll be on here tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's the mailbag. Me and Crocker will put it out in the morning that we're doing our mailbag episode tomorrow. We'll put out the, the call for questions. Make sure you guys jump on there. Reply to those tweets. That way we can get to your questions. Okay? Because if you don't have a Twitter, make one. Find us. Rob underscore Louder and Eric underscore Crocker. And ask us a question so you can get your voice on here. And uh, and we will answer your questions and we're, we'll do our mailbag tomorrow. And then we'll cap it off with a, another game preview on uh, for you guys Friday morning. So um, I appreciate everybody. Appreciate you guys. But for another week, this is Striking Gold. Signing out. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.